gracious words to Timothy and to us. And the bottom line to this today for us and to Timothy was, Timothy, you follow me like I follow Jesus. And he writes it down how he's doing that. Grace Church, Christian believers, you follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. That's our call today. So people are always looking and watching and asking. So uh, believer, you make that your goal to be able to let people say, I wanna follow you like you follow Jesus. And so that's what Paul gets to today as we do these three verses. And uh, let me pray and then I'll read the verses out of the New King James. Uh, So let's pray. Father, Holy Father, I want to thank you for your presence here this morning that was already prayed about presence. And we've come here, we gathered here today, Lord, uh, to worship you. And we've already worshiped you in our prayers and our songs. Now we're going to worship you in the word as we listen to you speak to us and we give you praise and honor and glory for what you have for us. We praise you for that. So, Lord, I'm asking you, there's lots of different hearts here today. I'm asking you to soften the hearts of every person here today with your infinite love. You're a mighty God. You can do that. Don't let anybody escape. Lord, make our ears to hear this, this, your breathed word, this God-breathed word that you send into us today through Paul. Lord, would you open the blind eyes to see Jesus in all his glory. Would you pour your irresistible grace on us today that all here would want to follow you as you've instructed us to. Uh, Let's do that for your glory, for your name's sake here in this little meeting in an elementary school today. In Jesus, your blessed name we pray. Amen. So I want to read the text. Uh, again, it's only three verses. And again, it's the New King James. So uh, Grace Church, hear the God-breathed words of Paul to us. Verse six, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only also, but also to all who have loved his appearing the word of God. So uh, these verses outline themselves. I haven't got to make no, any kind of outline. Praise the Lord. uh, Jordan had to make one last week and he done pretty good with it. But uh, these outline themselves. So verse six, we'll do verse six, verse seven, and verse eight. Verse six uh, has two parts. And the first part is uh, Paul says he's being poured out as a drink offering. Now, a drink offering is not drank. It's poured out. 
So you go to the offering, to the, to the altar there, and you have your, your drink offering here, and you pour it out. And Paul was saying his life to Christ was like a drink offering. He was pouring his life out to Christ. And he'd been doing that since the day he encountered Christ, the risen Christ. And he's wrote about this before in Romans, uh, Romans 12, 1. I'll read this to you. Listen to Paul as he says this to us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul had been doing that his whole life as a Christian, and now he's saying it's almost poured out. Almost poured out. Now, you don't know where you are in your life, folks. You don't know if you still got a, almost a full cup or it's being poured out. But this next verse, uh, the end of this next verse will give us more on that. Uh, since Paul's encounter with Jesus and this encounter with Jesus when he met the living when Paul met the living Savior, the risen Savior, he'd come to persecute. He just didn't meet with him and turn around and walk away. Paul encountered Jesus. Paul was united to Jesus by faith. He couldn't turn away and leave him alone. Christ was with him wherever he went, and that's true for all believers. But we must realize it. And therefore, he lived his life as a living sacrifice. And he writes some more about this in Galatians 2.20, one of my uh, life verses. Uh, here, Galatians 2.20. Um, I think I've got the right place. I do. Galatians 2.20 says this. Paul wrote this also. He says, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, the sacrifice that Christ made for Paul and for me. Paul's life was not his own anymore. It was a life of faith to the indwelling King Jesus. It was absolute surrender on Paul's part. Not my will, but your will be done in my life. So we say it this way, Paul's life was not a man-centered Christian Christianity. Paul's Christian life was not man-centered. It wasn't me-centered. It wasn't all about me. Paul's life as a Christian was Christ-centered. My allegiance is to Christ. He is my king. I owe him everything. And so that's the way he lived his life and this poured out drink offering was almost done with. And the second part of that verse, uh, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. Now, Paul was living in a temporary tent. This is a tent, folks. You live in that tent. This tent is not you. So 
be careful how much time you pick up making this tent kind of cute and everything. It would take me a long time to do that. But I don't work. It don't work for me, but it's easier for some folks. Uh, Paul had a departure, his departure. He was about to exit the tent, okay. But when you have a departure, like uh, you, you get somebody a ticket on the airline and, and you say, what time is your departure, right? Well, you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. Your departure time was almost here, Paul. He's telling us, and he had a, a, his final destination uh, after he leaves this tent, his destination wasn't death. Christian, Christ has taken the sting out of death. Death would be Paul's escape into the kingdom of heaven. So we have that to look forward to. I don't know if you've ever been with folks that knew Christ, that escaped this tent. What a time of worship that is. What a time of gladness it is to see that take place. I've been there several times. 2 Corinthians 5.8 tells us this thing about this escape, this departure. He says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord for the believer. So if there's a... <clears throat> There's two destinations though, okay? There's one departure, but there's two destinations. And this is what this whole thing is about for me today, for you all, for myself, the destinations. There, you have the believer, those who have embraced Christ, those who have been united to Christ by faith, joined with him, encountered him, and then those who may have heard of Christ or never heard of Christ, and they're not united to him. They're not his. They don't have any allegiance at all to Christ. Uh, but there's still a destination. There's, look at, let's look at these two destinations right quick. One for the believer is, I got it wrote down here in the big book, I'm gonna read some of this. This is a destination for the believer. Uh, <clears throat> I'll do this out of Revelation 21 and some of 22. But the last verse of, of chapter 21 of Revelation, which, mean, which means the revealing of Christ. Uh, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, but only those who are names who are written in the Lamb's book of life may enter into heaven. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was a tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. They shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor no light of, of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. And then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants 
the things which must shortly take place. And then on down in verse 12, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me. I give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. <clears throat> well, that's the believer's destination. And we have those, the destination for the, those who don't believe for whatever reason. And I'll just read one verse on that because that's enough for today's uh, time. Verse 15 of chapter 20, the last verse of chapter 20, he says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there's two destinations, folks. There is the destination for the believer, a glorious heaven forever and ever, and there's a destination for the unbeliever, a burning hell forever. This is the book. It's what, you're not making it up. It's right there. So uh, <clears throat> the good question ought to be to everyone here, what determines my destination? What determines my destination? To believe or not to believe? John 20, verse 31 says this, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. About believing, and faith comes by hearing. So that's what he says. Uh, that, that's, that's what determines your destination for the believer. You believe, you believe. And then it also talks about faith in Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says, listen to this now. This is about faith, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, why do we, why does he put all of these truths in his uh, God-breathed word? But for us, we need him because his law also teaches us something. He teaches us that we're sinners. All you young people, I was, I remember facing this when, once uh, and then I turned to Christ when I faced it. Did I lied, I stole, I cursed, I coveted things other people had. But you know, this, those three things right there, these three or four things, I was breaking God's holy law. God's law was teaching me, you should not lie, bear false witness, you should not steal, you should not covet. And to break one of those gave me eternal condemnation in any of you or anyone in the whole world. We have eternal condemnation because the law of God teaches us that we are sinners. So then, being under 
eternal condemnation. Praise the Lord, our great and gracious God has provided one remedy for that. And that remedy is to look to Jesus on the cross. We sang about it a while ago, didn't we? Look to Jesus on the cross. Look and live. Look and live in heaven for all eternity with the Lord Jesus. Look and see him. Look and be part of the great house of God there in heaven. Look and live. Because when you look, and look at him on the cross there, you see you, there you see that he has our sins on his body. There we see that he will release us from our condemnation. There we see that his blood will wash us cleanse from all of our sin stains. There we see him dying the death that we should die, paying the wages of our sin. Now that's a gracious God, isn't it? it don't matter, you ain't gotta get real deep with this. Uh, as the man told Spurgeon, any old fool could look and live, you ain't gotta be smart up here, you gotta be needy here, and you look to Christ on the cross, he says, and you will receive eternal life. All of these, there you receive your name, written in the Lamb's book of life. Then you will know without a doubt your eternal destination. It changes you folks when you become a believer and Paul is getting to this. <clears throat> your encounter to Jesus, uh, your faith will be unite you to Jesus like we've already said. Look at this, your faith will unite you to Jesus. It won't just get you close to him, folks. It will unite you to him, encounter him. Your name will be found in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to remember, uh, remind you of this. You only have, look at this, one life to live. You only have one life to live. And it matters how you live it. Eternal uh, destination, your final destination. After you've lived this life, you depart for your final destination. And Paul was looking forward to his departure from his temporary tent, for he knew his destination. He had a great desire to see Christ as he is, not just with eyes of faith, but to see him as he is and to be with him for all eternity where he, he talked to him and, and touch him and, and be with him like that. It wasn't uh, eyes of faith anymore. It was seeing him as he is. And so he's telling Timothy, Timothy, there's a Timothy, you follow me like I follow Jesus. I hope your parents, your ch you can look at your children and say, children, I want you to follow me like I follow Jesus. Hey, if that's not right in your lives, there's a repentance needed. There's a, a, a greater changing from me-centered Christianity to the Christ-centered Christianity. And you have to make some kind of adjustments. And I'm asking the Lord to do that in your life today. Oh, I, one great thing about a, a, an elder for me is I get to pray for y'all. And what a joy it is uh, just to pray for the children 
and pray for the parents that they would reflect Christ and pray for the children to grow and then desire to be born again into Christ. So uh, with verse six, he was saying, Timothy, follow me. Follow me like I follow Christ. Well, verse seven, we'll have to get to that one. Verse seven is broken down into three parts. Uh, he says, this is what he says in verse seven. I love this. Like I say, we could preach many sermons on this. Uh, I couldn't, but other guys could preach many well sermons, good sermons. He says, I have fought the good fight. That's part one. I have fought the good fight of faith. At conversion, Paul was cast into a raging war. He didn't sign up for a war. He signed up for Jesus, right? But to follow him, a spiritual warfare happens. And if you're not realizing that in your life, uh, you, you must be wounded already. <laughs> but there's a fight that goes on. You're fighting the sin. Paul was fighting the sin. He was fighting uh, the devil himself. Uh, and he was fighting him, though, with the same sword that Jesus used when he fought Satan down in the wilderness. He fought him with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And Paul wrote about that in Ephesians, some and other places. But uh, I don't know how else to do this. I, I, I think I'll just demonstrate a little bit for you, if that's okay. Well, I'm going to do it anyhow where it's not okay or not. Okay, so here's Paul. Here's Paul. His, his opponent has come onto the battlefield with him, and uh, he he starts. He throws a temptation where it's sickness, where it's uh, anger, where it's uh, disappointment, whatever it is. We all have these obstacles that the devil puts in our in our before us, and so he comes at him with this temptation, and he he's got the shield of faith, right? This is a battle of faith and he has the sword of the spirit, the word of God and he has that drawn and he says Satan uh, you are condemned I am free from my condemnation through the gospel of Jesus Christ and he says Satan you have no mercy, you'll never receive any mercy, I have received abundant mercy from my father and he's brought me into his house, he says Satan, your destination is hell for all eternity. And he slings the sword back, the word. He says, but my destination is my father's house forever and ever and ever through the work of Jesus Christ. So he would fight like that. You must fight like that. And the promise of the word of the living God that Satan will leave the battlefield. He will flee from you. Now he'll come right back with another temptation, another obstacle, but you still have the same shield of faith and the same sword of the spirit that Jesus used. You're never without it. It's here for you. Use it. Don't get knocked around. Uh, resist the enemy. <clears throat> And he says, don't be overcome by your sin. Christian, don't be overcome by your sin. Be an overcomer. Fight the good fight of faith. Be that spiritual warrior like Paul was. Then the 
war will end one day. It says, Timothy, it's like he's writing this to Timothy. Fight a good fight of faith. Fight a good fight of faith. Follow me like I followed Christ. Are you fighting the good fight of faith? That's an important question. Are you? The second part of verse seven is says, I have finished the race. Now, one of my favorite uh, track events, I think Tommy's a track man, I think. Is that right? I can't see him right now, but Tommy's a track man. There you are. And one of my favorite races is the 400-meter hurdles. I don't know if you ever watched that, but they got 400 meters out there, and they got these, these hurdles, these obstacles placed ever so many meters, right? And these dudes get down there, a bunch of them line up, and they start running, and every time they get to a hurdle, they have to jump it, right? Jump, 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 jump. The hurdles are there, and they've learned to overcome those hurdles, man. Boom, boom, boom. And, uh, but I like to watch that. I tried it in high school in these little short hurdles, and the coach said right away, you need to do something else. <clears throat> but that's not true for your Christian life. You don't need to do something else. Paul's life had all these hurdles, these obstacles, right? Paul's life was full of them. Man, they'd beat him. They would, he would go without food. He would have enemies after him. He was stoned. He was uh, left alone. He was shipwrecked. I mean, he had all these obstacles, and I'm sure he was sick. I'm sure he hurt a lot, especially after the stoning and the whoopings, right? And we know pain is hard to deal with on a continual basis. It does something to you, but Paul says, this is a race of faith in the life, in my life, so, so I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I pushed on to the race was finished, and I finished it strong. And Timothy, it's worth the obstacles. It's worth pushing on. It's worth running this race of life in your faith until you get to the end because look who is at the end of this race. His name is Jesus, the lover of your soul. You will see him with your eyes when you finish the race. So I'm calling you people, fight the good fight. Finish your race. Don't stop. You not get a, one of them hurdles you. Man, I seen them dudes run one time. Knocked, got knocked down when he missed a hurdle. But you know what he did? He just didn't lay there and cry, Coach, I hurt myself. He got up and started running again. He finished the race. You're going to get knocked down some. There's a lot of temptations to get thrown at you. But he give you the sword to fight them with. Right? Is that you? Is that you? It was Paul. Follow me like I follow Christ. Well, the third part of verse seven, he says, I have kept the faith. Again, faith is what unites you to Jesus forever. You're ever, forever his. And Paul's terrible circumstances that he was in, and uh, 
I don't know if any of you have ever been to prison. I'm not talking about incarcerated, but visited. Some of you might have been incarcerated. But you go to these prisons, these jails, them guys are locked down. They, the little cell, they can't go nowhere. And uh, they're crying about it all the time. But Paul was in this terrible circumstances of prison, about to die. But it did not cause him to take his eyes off of Jesus. Does your circumstances cause you to take your eyes off of Jesus? Does it? Poor me. Look at me. Help me. Put them on Christ. Look once at yourself, ten times at Jesus. Once at your own circumstance, and then ten times at the glorious Savior, Jesus. You got that? You can do it, can't you? If you don't do it, uh, you're not fighting the fight. Don't, don't, don't fool yourself. Paul wants you to see these things. Um, <clears throat> he kept the faith. His faith is strengthened by his personal discipline in the word and in prayer. Daily he met Christ. Continually he met Christ. Continually he is written down. He prayed continually. He was talking with him all the time. He was fellowshipping with him. He loved Jesus and he saw him with eyes of faith, but he, his ears of faith heard him and he communed with him. That's one thing I love doing. I love to spend time with the Lord, spend time with him in his word, talking with him, casting my cares upon him, ask him to teach me your way about this, Lord. My way stinks. Try his way and let him teach you. That's what it's all about. Well, it's essential. All the, this, this daily discipline is essential to keep your eyes on Jesus. And children, if you see your parents are looking at things beside Jesus, you know what you ought to tell them. Put your eyes on Jesus. I, I, I say it like this, and I'm glad Nathan's not here. <clears throat> it says, are you gazing? upon Christ. Are you gazing daily, continually upon Christ in his word and in prayer? Are you gazing? Are you living for yourself? It's all that matters. So if you're gazing on the author and finisher of your faith, you will have kept the faith. Now these encouraging words to Timothy, right? And they're to us too. Timothy, follow me like I have followed Jesus. Fight the fight of faith, finish the race strong, and keep the faith. We can have many, many sermons on that for sure. But now to our last uh, verse, verse eight, has two parts. And he's, it, the first part is this. He says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. So he knew he had something coming, right? He knew he had the crown of righteousness. Now, that crown of righteousness, and we need to have a good preaching about righteousness, but this particular Righteousness, righteous crown is given by the righteous judge who is, uh, who is our righteousness, but he gives us a righteous crown if we've run the, run the race, fought the fault, and kept the faith uh, his way. Uh, 
we have a crown laid up for us. Now this crown was laid up for, for Paul. It was his crown. He wasn't gonna be able to share it with anybody else. Folks, if you're walking with Christ like this, you have a crown, the crown of righteousness that the righteous judge. And folks, if anybody knows what righteousness is, it's the righteous judge, right? He knows uh, what all of that is, and he will give us on that day. So, uh, <clears throat> you've earned this crown by the way you've run the race, all right? Uh, so finally, this, this verse starts out, finally, means the race is over. I've exited the tent, uh, and now I'm home, and I meet the righteous judge. Folks, this is a real happening. It's not some little thing out here, uh, nursery rhyme or anything. This is real. It's, it, it's going to happen. If you've done this, you too, personally, have the crown of righteous waiting for you that the judge of righteousness will put on you. Whatever the crown looks like, I have no idea. I haven't got mine yet. But you know, I'm not going to get that right. I'm not going to get that crown until I run the race. <laughs> so my race is not over with. Almost, but not quite. My cup's being poured out, and it would be fine if it was like this today for me. Honest. Uh, that day. So we need to look about that day. The. We, we call it a second coming, an appearing twice. There's a first appearing and a second appearing. So the second part of this says, not to me only, but also to all who have loved, who have loved his appearing. Paul reminds Timothy and us because he says, uh, not to me, Paul saying, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, there are two appearings, right? The first appearing was when this little babe was born in Bethlehem, and they, they called him Emmanuel, God with us. It was a promised Messiah. He, he was born there, and uh, he lived a righteous, sinless life. Imagine that, not one sin, not one sin in his whole lifetime. Is anyone here like that? The answer is no. If anyone here had one sin today, everybody here has. The answer would be yes. So Jesus lived a righteous life, a sinless life. He worked as a carpenter of Nazareth. And when he started his ministry, walking around uh, uh, into the ministry, he revealed that he is the promised Messiah, that he is the Son of God. And then he uh, finished his work. He, he went to, to the cross. And we've all talked about looking at the cross. There he bore our sins in his body on the cross. Folks, that's no small thing. You, he's the only one that could have done that. So there needs to be praise, adoration, surrender in our lives to this Jesus. 
He died the death we should have died. Just think uh, the horrors of your name not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He was buried and he was resurrected the third day. And so while he was still here in John 14, he reminds us, he says he's made us a promise that he will appear again. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you. I go now to prepare a place for you that where I, and I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Folks, that's a promise right from the lips of the Lord Jesus himself. And then in Acts 1-9, after he'd been crucified, uh, buried, resurrected, and walked with his uh, disciples uh, for a while, they were out there in Acts uh, chapter one, he was talking to them and giving them instructions and all of a sudden, Jesus just started going up off the earth, up into the clouds and these little uh, fishermen and, and guys like that, they didn't know what to think about this. They were sitting there looking up into the sky like, what now? What's gonna happen? Well, two angels, two men in white garments, they said. I take them as angels came to him and says, ye men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing up into this sky? That same Jesus, that same Jesus is gonna come again in like manner. Folks, he's a coming again. And it's gonna be, <clears throat> excuse me, he's, he's coming a second time. Uh, so, has, but, has the, but has the first time his coming, has it thrilled you? Have you loved that appearing? Does it make something happen into your, to your heart's throb when you say, Father loved me so much, he sent his treasure of heaven to me? Man. He changed our direction. He, uh, he, while he was here, he gave eyes of faith to see him. He changed our direction we, forever. We were once citizens of the world. We're now citizens of heaven and aliens down here. And all of this, you only have one life to live. So how shall we live it? This is where we'll end. In verse six and seven, Paul outlines how to live a life that loves the appearing of Christ. So this is the, be the second appearing we're talking about. He encounters, he encourages Timothy and us to follow him like he followed Jesus. And if you don't care nothing else away today, I hope this resonates in your heart and mind for the rest of your life. Follow Jesus like Paul followed him. Follow Jesus like Paul followed him. Verse six, and verse, so this verse six and seven, you can take those two verses right there and memorize them and start meditating on them and praying through them and you'll have, uh, uh, you'll have logs for your spiritual fire from now to the time you go to heaven. But it's, uh, he says, live your life as a, a living sacrifice because Jesus is worthy. Remember, death has lost its sting, so anticipate your departure and your destination. 
Fight the good fight. Be an overcomer. Finish. Matter of fact, you can be more than overcomer. With his uh, love, uh, he's made us more than overcomers. You can finish the race. Don't get sidelined with the world's problems. Don't quit. Don't get pushed. <clears throat> Push on to the... Don't quit. Push on to the finish line. Finish strong. Keep the faith. It's what keeps us united to Christ. He said this is what Paul was telling us how to live our life. Run the race. Fight the fight. Keep the faith before we can wear the crown. This is Paul's uh, instruction now to all of us. So find yourself. Where are you at with this? Where do you need to get right with God about? Uh, maybe you're not even a believer right now. Maybe you've just been introduced. If you've been in here, you've been introduced several times over the years to Christ, and it's now to unite with him by faith, uh, by confessing and believing. There's only one life to live. Live it for Jesus and love his second appearing. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says this second appearing is going to happen just like there in a twinkling of an eye. Folks, he's a coming again. And uh, he's not coming as a baby this time. He's coming as the king of glory, the great warrior, invincible warrior. He's coming as the creator to show you his mighty power and to gather up his bride, to gather up his flock, to gather us up and take us home with him. And remember, you'll be rewarded. He will reward a faithful life with a crown of glory. So you take these, six, these verses, six and seven, you memorize and meditate on them. Meet Jesus. Uh, cast your cares upon him. Ask him to teach you his way. Uh, lay your head upon his shoulder and listen to him. Don't just jabber to him all the time. You got ears. He's give you two ears. Listen to him. Learn discipline to hear Christ speak to you through his word. What a joy you'll be. You want those hurdles, you, you'll see them obstacles out there and you just go right on, go right on. Running toward the finish line. So Paul has encouraged us, he's challenged us to live our one life. Now how many lives do you have down here? You don't have no redos, okay? You can't say, uh, see, I don't like where I'm at. Send me, send me up there again. Let me live my life again. No. Uh, that's biblical. You can see the rich man going down and his brothers are saying, he's telling, send my brother some water. Tell him to send me some water. No. Well, One thing to take away. Maybe two things. Be Jesus-centered in your, in your Christian walk. Remember, you have only one life to live. Live it for Christ. Be Christ-centered in your walk with him. And you'll be happy. And if you don't know him yet, if you hadn't united with him yet, oh, we pray the Holy Spirit 
would do that for you because there is two destinations. So let me pray about this and then uh, we'll be through. Father, would you truly pour your grace upon this meeting right now? It's your influence we need in our lives, not our own influence. And Jesus, oh Lord, teach us your way on how to uh, run the race of this life. And Lord, does cause, cause a swelling in our heart, a, a want to in our heart to be well-pleasing to you, for you're worthy to be well-pleasing. So, uh, we thank you for allowing us to worship you today through the singing, the praying, and the word. For you are a great king, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.